Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 334, and we're talking about our top 10 things to do in Australia. That's right. And you know, we're Kiwis, so we love Australia, but New Zealand's <laughs> just that little bit better, isn't it? Well, New Zealand is obviously the best country in the world, but if we had to choose a second, mm, I don't know. Might be up there? It might, it's up there. It's up there. I mean, Spain is probably our personal number two, but Australia is right up there. We have been enjoying our time in New Zealand over the summer, even though it's been a pretty cool and cloudy one. I've been spending lots of time with family, lots of time with friends. It's been great. Yeah, it's been magic. Oh my goodness, just flying from Australia. So we spent a month in Australia, as you know, we were there with my sister and her family. And then we flew back into New Zealand and we had two really beautiful days, bright sunshine, apparently had been quite horrible weather for a week before. And then when we came home, it was wonderful. So that was, that was so nice. And then, yeah, we spent heaps of time with friends, heaps of time with family. My brother got married in Napier, which was brilliant. It was a really nice wedding. They both looked gorgeous. Yeah, that was cool. Back up in Auckland, we also saw our friend Sherry from Otsworld, and we're looking forward to seeing her again in a few weeks in February. It was a bit of a surprise, actually, because we weren't scheduled to see her. She was going to be flying to Auckland, then hopping on a tour straight away. But unfortunately, she had a few travel disasters. Uh, first of all, her flight was cancelled. One of the flights was cancelled, which uh, meant that she missed a connection and she ended up arriving in Auckland a day late. And so she missed the start of the tour. Luckily, the tour was going up and then down again. So she could hop hop on it with her niece, who she was traveling with a day. Well, I think it was two days later, two days into the trip. I'm not quite sure. But to add insult to injury, the airline also lost her bag. So she showed up in Auckland late and with no bag. So it wasn't the best start to the trip. But uh, at least she was in New Zealand, right? <laughs> we filled her up with greasy fish and chips, which uh, <laughs> was an absolute winner. I guess that makes it a good time to mention our sponsor for this week, Allianz Global Assistance. As you know, we think travel insurance is a key part of travel. So if you're planning a trip in Australia, make sure you're covered. One thing I like about Allianz is their 10-day review period. So you can buy your travel insurance and then take the next week or so to look over your policy more carefully and check for things that you didn't think about at the time. Yeah, it's always worth reading the policy first, but if you're anything like me, you're thinking of things days and days afterwards. What about that? What about that? So yeah, it's a really cool thing. So in this show, we're going to be talking all about Australia. And you know, it's not just a country, it's also a continental landmass the same size as Europe. While it's much more sparsely populated, there's still a lot of it to go around. So apologies for all of the bits of Australia that we're going to, I guess, stereotype, oversimplify, and just plain miss. There's a lot of country out there. So let's give you a bit of an overview. So you know, Australia is a very big country, and most people live on the East Coast, which is where you'll find the major cities, so Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne. The capital, Canberra, is set back a bit from the sea between Sydney and Melbourne. What happened was both Sydney and Melbourne wanted to be the capital. And and actually, even to this day, some people think that Sydney is the capital of Australia. Some people think Melbourne is. They aren't. They both didn't win the fight. Instead, Australia decided to create a kind of a custom-built capital, and they put it halfway between the two to kind of, you know, smooth things over a bit. Yeah, it's not the most exciting of cities, uh, but hey, it's there. Yeah, then there are two other major cities, which is Adelaide, it's the biggest city in the south, and then Perth is quite isolated over on the west coast. We lived there for six months, and I liked it. Craig didn't like it quite as much. I didn't feel isolated, but it is quite a long journey to get to the next big city. You know, if you want to go somewhere else in Australia, it's just as far to go up to Asia. So it's, yeah, I suppose it's quite an isolated city. 
Yeah, but it's well connected to Asia as well as the rest of Aussie and direct flights to New Zealand, but they're pretty long flights. Yeah. So, yeah, we spent heaps of time in Australia. I know I spent a lot of time there as a kid. We flew over for family holidays. What about you? Yeah, a little bit. I remember uh, the first big trip in Australia was a basketball trip, and we went and played up the the Gold Coast and Brisbane, Mackay, up that way. So that was really fun. Then, yeah, going back as an adult, of course. Yeah, in fact, our first trip, our first overseas trip as a couple was to Australia. Uh, we went to Melbourne and our friend Ange came over and yeah, it's funny. We've got a photo of Craig with uh, waist length dreadlocks taken in Melbourne. It's kind of the one we show people when we want to show people that yes, Craig didn't always look so respectable. He always sounded respectable. That was fine. So if you're a podcast listener, you wouldn't have noticed a change, but <laughs> he used to look quite different to how he does now. In fact, I got them cut off for my passport photo just before we started traveling uh, full time in 2006. Because I was like, I don't really want a passport photo with dreadlocks for the next 10 years of mm. airport security. Yeah. I didn't think that was a good idea. Probably a wise idea. And then, yeah, I, I did some camps over there near Sydney for several years. And we, of course, we lived in Perth for six months and visited my sister in Adelaide and in Melbourne. And done, yeah, we've, we've spent quite a bit of time in Australia. Quite a lot. All right. So with that said, let's jump into our top 10 things to do in Australia. Number one is possibly the biggest thing in Australia, quite literally, it's the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah, it's something that we haven't done personally, but we would absolutely love to do. And it appears in every guidebook, every article in Australia, it's something that has to be done. We're saving it because, you know, we don't want to do everything on our bucket list all at once. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I did a dive course here uh, in New Zealand, Tutakaka, and it was amazing. And since then, I've just wanted to get back out there. But if you're on the West Coast, there's uh, another reef, the Ningaloo Reef, which is where you get to swim with those giant, giant whale sharks. And and that is just so high on my list. So the underwater beauty of the Great Barrier and the huge colossal fish that are the whale sharks over on the Ningaloo. If you're heading for the Great Barrier Reef, head for Queensland, the state of Queensland in, in the northeast of the country. That's the place to go. From the side to the centre, we couldn't do an Australia list without mentioning Uluru or Ayers Rock, the red centre of Australia. Yeah, we visited a few years ago and it was just amazing. We we were really lucky because as we drove in, it was raining. And you wouldn't think of this as lucky, but apparently rain on the rock is actually quite rare because it's in the outback. You know, you know all the stereotypes of just desert forever. And so it started raining and that meant that there were waterfalls coming off the rock, which is really, really uncommon. And then as part of the tour, we got taken to a, a special viewpoint where you can watch the sunset and of course sunset when it's raining it's not going to work right except for that the clouds cleared and we got to see a sunset with the waterfall still coming off the rock it was incredible yeah all of that kind of shininess and reflection with the setting sun and the oranges and then the silveriness of the waterfalls it was absolutely spectacular and you know you might go it's a long way to go to see a big rock and that's true if you have no passion in your soul at all. <laughs> it wow. is a pretty special place to go. It's particularly special for the local Aboriginal people of the area. But it's, I don't know, it's just something that has so much history imbued in it, so much, I don't know, spiritual significance. I definitely think it's worth going to. You can get there from Alice Springs, which is the nearest town, or you can do an epic journey from Adelaide. We did a, I think it was a six-day trip, and it was really cool. 
Yeah, it was. There's lots of other things to do on that journey. Uh, like just outside of Adelaide, you've got some of Australia's main wine regions. And <laughs> a going wine tasting is my number one. Linda's bumped it down to number three. I'm sorry. I, I don't know why. But, uh, you know, you've got uh, across the country, you've got Margaret River, Hunter Valley, McLaren Vale. You've got the Barossa. Wherever you base yourself, you're going to be pretty close to a wine region, whether it's one of those prestigious ones or one of the lesser known ones. Not so much from Alice Springs, probably, but from other main centers, yes. <laughs> That's true. Not so many people base themselves in Alice Springs, it has to be said. Well, we were just talking about Uluru, so it's not a good idea to plan to go to Uluru and then immediately go wine tasting. Just thought I'd better say that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you hit South Down to Adelaide and you're yeah, fine. Yeah, sort of. We, we actually just went wine tasting this weekend. We went up to Matakana, which is one of our favorite places in well, in New Zealand. From Auckland, we leave on a Saturday morning, go up to the farmer's market, and then do some wine tasting in the afternoon and morning as well. And this time we went with my dad, and it was just so much fun. And wine tasting in New Zealand and Australia is really good because quite often you don't get charged for the tastings. Or you get charged a nominal fee, 5 or $10, and if you purchase something, they refund the money, which I think is a really good deal. If you want to conflate New Zealand and Australia a little bit more, point number four is down some espresso. Coffee culture in all of the main centres in this region is fantastic, but nowhere more so than in Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne is, I think, Australia's most delicious city. Argue with me if you want, that's fine, but we have eaten some really good food there, drunk some delicious things, and had some spectacular coffee. Yeah, Melbourne and Auckland and Wellington are kind of pretentious about their coffee <laughs> in a fantastic way. You get all of these small providers, micro roasters doing their own thing and trying to create the, the best flavor profile that they can. So if you're in love with coffee or you want to understand what good coffee is all about, then drop into Melbourne and, uh, Melbourne I love because of its worldwide cuisine as well. It's I know I'm mixing things up here, <laughs> but just the, the variety of food and quality of food, fantastic. Yeah, I think we mentioned in a previous podcast that when we were last in Melbourne, we did a coffee tour of Melbourne with Context Travel, and that was really good. If you don't want to do a tour, just wander around by yourself, ask around for the best cafes to try, or just head into the alleyways of the central city and discover some for yourself. One of our favorite cafes is actually a chocolatier. So that's kind of cheating a little bit, eh? But one of our little, I guess, what do you call rituals. it? Rituals, yeah, is going to a place called Coco Black where they do wonderful chocolates. But yeah, the, the hot chocolates in a cup, bit of chili thrown in, beautiful. Delicious. They've actually um, expanded. Now they're a chain. So the originals, I don't know if they were a chain when we first went there, like, 14 years ago, but now they are. They've got uh, branches around the city, but we always go to the original one in, was it Queen's Arcade? Mm, yeah, with Gog and Magog sitting out the back. Yeah, that's yeah. a beautiful arcade to visit, right in the center of the city. Point number five is the opposite. Get out of the cities, hire a car, hire a camper, jump on a bus tour, just go, because the roads between the major cities are long but beautiful. So make sure if you're you're on the highway, you're rolling down, if it's safe to do so, go and divert. Head down to a, a little beach, you know, but don't divert if you're driving the outback roads because you can go off there and not get back again. Yeah, if you if you do decide to hire a car and go into the outback, 
make sure you prepare very carefully because we don't want anything to go wrong. We chose to do a tour through that, that area because the kind of preparation you have to do to drive from Adelaide to Alice Springs wasn't the kind of work we wanted to do. But yeah, if you're driving, I don't know, from Adelaide to Melbourne or just around the East Coast, you just have to be prepared for long distances, really. Yeah, we love driving around Western Australia. Yeah, I remember just dropping down into Margaret River, into the wine region, you know, mucking around, getting down to the southwest tip of Australia, back up through little rural communities, food producers, beautiful little farm valleys. And yeah, it was just really cool. We didn't get too far up the north above Perth, unfortunately, but up into the Swan Valley and just really nice driving. But there are some unusual things about driving in Australia. One of our top bits of safety advice is don't drive at dusk and don't drive at dawn because there's these 200 kilogram kangaroos bouncing around the side of the road that you don't want to run into. And that's a small one. Yeah. We were staying at my sister's farm in Melbourne recently and she lives kind of, you know, outside of a a town centre and you have to drive down a, a dirt road. And if we were driving even in the evening or in the morning, anytime around dawn or dusk, we were particularly careful because we'd heard of lots of people having accidents with kangaroos. So it's definitely worth being aware of that. Yeah. And they go fast. Anna was saying that she had one jumping alongside her car and she thought, well, I better accelerate to get out in front of it. So it doesn't veer in front of me and end up on the bonnet. So she was accelerating up kind of 70, 80, 90 Ks and it was still loping along looking in, in the window. So yeah, crazy yeah. things. I mean, don't worry about it. And a lot of your driving will be on the motorways. So it's not a big deal, but it's just something to be aware of. If there was one thing that you had to drive, what would it be? I think I would say the Great Ocean Road. It's just amazing. And I also think it's the most famous drive. So it's a good choice. Uh, when we did it, there were koalas in the eucalyptus trees. We just we were actually doing it on a bus tour, but the driver just pulled over and said, look up. And there were koalas just, you know, sitting there eating because that's all koalas do. They sleep something like 20 hours a day. They eat for three and a quarter hours a day. <laughs> and they spend about 12 minutes, you know, moving around, going to the toilet. It's about it. <laughs> well, you know, they are eating eucalyptus leaves, which are basically poison. Mm. So it takes a lot to sleep that off. But yeah, the Great Ocean Road goes from Melbourne all the way through to Adelaide, right? Even though most of the uh, the tours are going out of Melbourne and just doing like one day or half day out and back again. But yeah, really cool. Just outside of Melbourne, you do have those eucalyptus forests. You've got the 12 Apostles, which are beautiful sandstone pillars coming out of the sea. Very rugged, very picturesque. Unfortunately, there are no longer 12 as they do kind of disintegrate periodically. There was one that uh, fell apart just a few years ago, which was really sad. There were more when we were last there, and now there are fewer, which is always sad. Indeed. Hey, back in the city again, item number seven on our top 10 of Australia is to take a photo of the Sydney Opera House because you just have to, you have to. (laughs) It's iconic. It's compulsory. You know, you get to the airport and customs goes, come on, let's see your phone. (laughs) Yeah, if you leave Australia without having a photo of the Opera House, you're not allowed to leave. They send you back to Sydney. I was going to say we should modify this one and say, celebrate New Year's at the Sydney Opera House because they have a spectacular fireworks display off the Harbour Bridge. And you could, you know, find a spot in the park and just watch out, look over the Harbour Bridge, look over the Opera House. Wonderful. 
Yeah, you know, I was speaking to someone about this the other day. There are people that will start their New Year's in New Zealand, either in Auckland uh, or Australia, in Melbourne or Sydney, and they'll celebrate New Year's and party on the first major cities to see the sun in New Year's. And then they'll jump on a 12-hour flight up to L.A., and then, because of the, the time difference, they arrive before New Year's. And then you get to celebrate New Year's in L.A. all over again. That's mad. I don't know about you, but I think that's mad. I, I wouldn't do it, but I, I've read about people doing it. I was speaking to someone about it just the other day with it being New Year's, you know, a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago. It was, yeah, just crazy, oh, eh? Crazy. It, it would be cutting it fine, though, because it's oh, 12 yeah. hours from here to, to L.A., so you'd have to yeah, pretty yeah. much be celebrating at the airport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Need arrive just <laughs> longest day ever. We had a pretty nice New Year's actually. We headed up to Russell in the north of of New Zealand and just spent time with Craig's family. They're building a um a whole. I was going to say a batch, but no one would know what that means. A holiday home up there, and uh, they've finished part of it. So yeah, we got to spend some time there with Craig's sister and yeah, yeah. kind of camp out and and crash test the the unfinished cabins that are being <laughs> built up there. It was cool. Yeah, very cool. So top 10 Australia, number eight is to visit a zoo or a wildlife park. Well, as you know, Australia is home to a lot of very, very strange animals. We've talked about kangaroos and koalas, but there's also wallabies, there's uh, wombats, you've got the platypuses, you've got most of the venomous snakes in the world. There's, there's lots of cool stuff in Australia. And you've got quokkas. Oh, quokkas. Never are... forget the quokkas. I had forgotten the quokkas. Oh, my goodness. You're getting kicked off Rottnest Island. Yeah, so Rottnest Island we visited when we were in Perth. It's an island just off off the coast of the city of Perth, and it's it was called Rottnest Island because the people who were first there thought that these big animals that were there were rats, and so they called it Rottnest Ratnest Island. Uh, but actually, they weren't. They were marsupials, quite large. Well, they're much. They'd be really large rats for sure. <laughs> but they're so cute and they're so tame. And yeah, go Google Quokka. Yeah. It'll be good for you. <laughs> But yeah, but because of this amazing, unique wildlife, it's the reason that we'd say go to a wildlife park or go to a zoo. And there's lots of great ones in every major city. And there's the Australian Zoo, which was made famous by uh, by the Irwins. And they had that whole TV show. And yeah. Yeah, Steve Irwin was known as the crocodile hunter. And oh, man, we were so sad. We were hanging out with an Australian when we heard that he'd been killed by a stingray. It's about 10 years ago now. Really sad. But his wife and kids are, are doing well and continuing with the zoo, so that's, that's really cool. Cool. I'm just going to kind of sit next to this one right now and go, okay, beautiful, cute animals, very nice. Make sure you eat some kangaroo, <laughs> right? You, you, if you eat meat, make sure you eat some kangaroo. I really should have been a bit more sensitive and not put this item right next to the item about going to a zoo. I thought you did that on purpose. I thought it was very nice. Now, don't take them from the zoo. But kangaroo are uh, next to vermin. There's so many of them. They do such a lot of damage to farm environments and things like that, that they use them for food. And uh, very lean meat can be very, very tough. So you want to get it marinated steak, get it marinating for a day or so, and then it's beautiful. But I would say avoid the sausages. I've never had a good kangaroo sausage. I don't know what it is about them, but the steak is really good and the sausages are just not just not on. Kebabs, fine, but sausages, 
No. Yeah, you're actually doing the country a favor if you buy kangaroo. And it's really well priced. It's cheaper than um, beef or lamb often. So, yeah. Smooth. Well, my stomach started growling at the talk of this. <laughs> Make sure you put this alongside a craft beer because there's some great little breweries around Aussie. It'll be awesome. Yeah, we used to love little creatures, but they're not really just um, a craft brewery now, are they? They got bought out by a, a large company. They got bigger and bigger. Yeah, but uh, beer's still good. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of beers. Just please, please, please do not drink 4X or Foster's. <laughs> it will make me cry. One time when I was in the UK, I went into a pub with a friend of mine and he ordered a Foster's. Now, Foster's is a beer that is known as an Australian beer, but Australians don't really drink it. It's just exported. And so when the uh, when my friend, well, I call him friend, but <laughs> when he ordered a fossil, I said, what are you doing? That's not really beer. And the bartender was just nodding at me as he poured the pint. <laughs> <laughs> to rub salt in the wound, this was in St. Albans, which I think is the headquarters or right next to the headquarters of Camera, the campaign for real ale. Mm. So it's just a, a double slap. It was a terrible decision. Hey, while you're in Australia, number 10, visit a mini mountain range. Australia doesn't have real mountain ranges, but they have these beautiful little petite ones. <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> there are also a lot of flat surfaces. So if you're finding yourself kind of over being on the plane, you can head to uh, one of the mountain getaways, like the Blue Mountains near Sydney. That's a lovely place to go hiking. It is. Really it's nice. so cool. And in Tasmania and the Central and Western Outback, there are some amazing landscapes there as well. So why don't you just, instead of saying visit a mini mountain range, why don't we say choose your landscape and go there? Because there are some wonderful landscapes. Yeah, I really enjoyed a bit of walking in the Macedon Ranges uh, recently, just up north of Sunbury, outside of Melbourne. And that was really cool. But I really enjoyed it because I was walking around the wineries. <laughs> that was my favorite part of that. But yeah, there's a definitely a little bit of skiable terrain, but some wonderful uh, kind of mountain hiking around Australia, as well as their fantastic beaches, fantastic cities. It's a great place to go. We highly recommend you go to Australia. How much time do you think someone needs to spend in Australia? Gosh, it's an eternal question, isn't it? I think if you're going to do a, a city and a bit around a city, uh, if you can go for kind of three to five days, I think you can get a really nice taste of a little bit of urban, a little bit of wilderness of some sort, even if it's just down a beach. Mm -hmm. That can be good. If you want to do all of Australia, anything less than two months, and you're just running all of the time. Mm -hmm. So I've met some people that have gone for a month and went, I'm going to do everything. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> or yes, but don't expect to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's a big place. It's a, Geographically, it's the same size as Europe. Yeah. So you've got a lot of distance to cover. Yeah, so it's best if you have that kind of mid-time frame of a couple of weeks or a month just to choose one half or one third and pick your places with care. Mm -hmm. I remember once, Linda, you were looking at flying from Sydney to Melbourne and then went, oh, Melbourne to Sydney, wasn't it? No, it was Sydney to Melbourne. Sydney to Melbourne. And then you went, oh, I wonder how long, how much it would cost to go by train. Yeah, I thought that the landscapes would be awesome. I thought this would be awesome. I love traveling by train. Why don't I look into what it costs and how, how long it takes? And so I looked into it and a flight was going to be about $100. I thought, okay, good. And the train trip was going to be about $103. The price difference was negligible. And I thought, oh, okay, well, cool. Maybe I'll go by train then. And then I looked into it a bit more closely 
The flight was going to take an hour and a half. Fine. And the train trip was going to take 13 hours. 13. I decided to fly. <laughs> and I met a lovely person on the flight. We got talking. It was, it was a very nice journey. But, oh, my goodness, the distances can be deceiving. When you're looking at a map, especially because Australia is surrounded by ocean and New Zealand is similar, you think that you have much shorter distances than you actually have. So you need to be really careful to plan your trips carefully. Also, if you're judging how long a journey might take, if you're on a motorway, you can expect to drive at 110 kilometers an hour. But if you're on a, a gravel road or if you're kind of off the main road, then it's going to take longer. You can't expect to keep going at that speed the whole, whole way. Yeah, but saying that, there's no reason not to drive in Australia. It's such a good country to drive in. Sweet. Well, there's plenty to do, as you've heard. Uh, we've talked about exploring just some of its awesome cities, talked about getting out close to nature. Uh, so whatever excites you most about Australia, we'd love to hear about it. Leave a comment on the website, IndieTravelPodcast.com, or jump by our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash IndieTravel, and let us know, because we've missed out so much. So, so much. Yeah, let us know what you've done or what you want to do or what you've heard about you thought might be good, but you're not sure. We really like to hear from you guys. Recently, we've had quite a few emails from listeners, and we really appreciate that. So thanks to everyone who sent through a message or added a comment on the Facebook page or on the, on the website. We really love to hear from you. This episode of the Indie Travel Podcast is sponsored by the travel insurance provider Allianz. One of the key benefits of their insurance policies is the 24-hour hotline, so you can get help and assistance wherever you are, whatever time of day, whatever's happened. One I like is the lost and stolen baggage cover, which provides coverage for, you know, when you arrive and your bag doesn't. Oh, like Sherry. Exactly. <laughs> that was the one that she needed last month. Oh my goodness, so much. I'm pretty sure her insurance did cover her for that, right? So although her bag didn't arrive, and luckily she had packed a change of clothes and toothbrush in her carry-on bag, but at least she knew that she could get some clothes and a few other things that she needed and she'd be reimbursed for that. Yeah, if you aren't traveling with just one bag, always be sure to pack a change of clothes, at least some fresh undies in your carry-on in case something like this happens. It doesn't happen all of the time, but it happens to enough people that you want to be prepared for it. Yeah, and making sure that your travel insurance policy has this feature that they will reimburse you for buying things that if your bag doesn't arrive, that's really important. So important. Anyway, be sure to visit our sponsor, AllianceTravelInsurance.com, and read up for more information about their policies. So what's up next for us? Well, quite a bit. This weekend, we are jumping in the car and heading south down to a coastal town called Papamoa, right next to Tauranga on the east coast of the North Island of New Zealand. I'm excited about getting down there. I'm hoping the weather's a bit nicer than it's been in Auckland over the last little while. Yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to be house-sitting for a friend of ours who lives down there. She's coming up to Auckland. It's a bit strange. But we'll have a, a few days with her before she leaves. And then when we're down there, we're thinking, oh, you know, it's Papamoa. It's kind of off to one side. We'll just kind of have a retreat from all our friends up in Auckland. Apparently, we have quite a few friends down there, too. One of my <laughs> friends has recently moved down to Hamilton, and it's not very far away to come over to Tauranga for the day. So we're going to do that. Going to meet up with another friend for a drink of wine or, or two. And uh, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be so good. And yeah, we're back into work with Performance Foundry as well, which is our specialized WordPress website development and hosting company. We have just grown so much over the last year. It's 
been insane and looking forward to another really cool year in front of us. Yeah, it's been really fun, hasn't it? Yeah. I've just hit my one year anniversary with the company. You must be at three years, I suppose. When did the company start? Yeah, the year before you started uh, your master's. <laughs> so around three years. And yeah, I'm so excited about this year and what's going to happen. And yes, it's all good. In fact, I'm excited about life in general at the moment. I don't know. Maybe it's just the air here in New Zealand that gives us life and joy and cliches. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wherever you're at and however your 2016 was, here's hoping that you're having a great new year and that 2017 is even better. That's us for this week. Until next time, travel well.